I invite you to open up your Bibles to uh, Psalm 119, where we'll share a brief word this morning. Let me pray for us. God, you are a God that is sufficient for all of our needs, and you speak to us through your word, and it is sufficient as well. So we just ask that in this brief time together, you would open our hearts uh, to accept what you have for us, and that we would live for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 119, verse 17 through 20. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I might live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. I just want us to notice a few things in this passage which I think will be helpful for you and for me in these days in which we are dealing with this moment. First thing is in verse 17, something that David asks for himself. He says, uh, recognizing firstly himself as a servant of God, he's, he calls himself your servant, uh, someone who has come under God, who is desiring to live for God. He says, God, deal bountifully with me. Deal bountifully with your servant, he asks. Recognizing that the only way that God is ever going to deal with a person should be in, in righteousness and in judgment. That's what we deserve. The only way for God, the one who we have suppressed, the one who we have no excuse about knowing, the way that he should deal with us is in judgment. But David asks, deal bountifully with me, deal abundantly in grace towards me, and for two things he asks. First, so that I might live, so I may live. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live. David recognizes, first and foremost, that life itself is a gift of God, that you and I do not deserve a breath. We don't deserve a moment. We don't deserve a promise of another day. We don't have a promise of another day. The only way we're going to live another moment is by the grace of God. That is undeserved. The undeserved bounty and abundant uh, measure of God at work in us in a ways that we do not deserve. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live. He recognizes God gives life and takes life away. And so he's, he's pleading to God, I want to live, I desire to live, but he wants to live in a certain way. Secondly, he asks God to deal bountifully with him in causing him to obey so that he may keep his word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. He recognizes that the only way human beings will ever keep the word of God, obey God, walk with God, care about what God thinks at all, is by grace, is by the bounty, uh, the undeserved abundance of God's grace towards us. That we are all born with a sinful inclination which says, I'm in charge. And what matters is what I want, when I want it. I don't want to keep God's word first and foremost. You know that if you know anything about your own heart like mine, is my first go-to is not obeying God or somebody else. It is obeying my own desire. I look out for me first. That's, that's our broken, sinful inclination. So David's asking, he says, God, I'm asking not only you preserve my life, but you preserve my life so that I might live for you and, and 
you need to, to keep that in me. You need to give me the ability to obey you. It is only by the grace of God that we would ever obey him. We are so broken in our normal selves that we cannot do it. So he's asking God, deal bountifully with me so that I might live and I might keep your word. But the question is, when he's thinking about living, he also must think about dying. And you and I are vastly aware as we drive by a cemetery, we are supposed to be reminded that we will one day die. When we attend funerals, we should be reminded that we will to die. And uh, now in these days of this pandemic, which is taking up so many people's lives um, faster than they ever imagined, we also should be reminded that the death is coming for, for you and for me, that some is sooner than others, that it could be tomorrow, that, that this life that we live by the grace of God, all these breaths we have by God's grace, will one day come to an end. And we must think, well, what comes after that? And as as Bible-believing Christians, as thoughtful people, we know that there is life everlasting, that there is something to come, that we don't just cease to exist once we are, are, are pass, pass on or once we die, but there is something yet to come. And so uh, the only way that we are to live with hope in this moment for what's to come is if we live in hope of what God has told us. Because if God is the maker of heaven and earth, he is the ruler of the heavenly realms and what is yet to come, and if that's where we're to be in heaven with God, then we must wonder, well, what does God say about that place? Well, we know, as we've read through the Bible, that the only way to get there is if you are righteous and holy and perfect. And then we know that we're not. And so we need God's grace for that too. To go, well, what? What's going to happen? So it's interesting that David says, I want to live and keep your word. If you're aware of the gospel, you know that the gospel says it's only by grace you're saved. It's not by your works, not by your own doing. So you can't boast in anything. Not the good you've done or the, or the bad you've, you've not done. It's not based on anything that you have done that will either save you or send you to hell. It's not based on you. And so why is David so wrapped up with keeping God's word. It's because of what Jesus himself has said. Jesus, you know, the one who we need to be found in, the, the one whose disciples we need to be, the one who we need to follow and be like and be transformed by. This Jesus who at the end of time where we need to stand before God, we need to be found in Christ or else we will be destined to hell. This is the Jesus who says, these people are my disciples. Those who know my own commandments and obey them. Those who, who hear my words and keep them. The ones who keep the word of God. As David's asking for here, God, do bountifully with me so I might keep your word. My sinful inclination is not to keep his word. And Jesus says, it is those who keep my word who belong to me. Well, the only way we're going to keep his word is by him empowering us and equipping us and bearing that fruit in us. And so when David's asking for God to deal bountifully, graciously allow him the obedience and the desire and the delight in obeying, he's also at the same time saying, I need hope for what is yet to come because I know that I must be found in, in obedience. And it only comes from you, that those who hate God do not delight in keeping his word. 
And so if we're going to be found in Jesus, who's the spotless, sinless son of righteousness, the one who stood on our behalf as a sinner, condemned with all of our guilt and our filth, if we're going to be found in him and have that transformation in him, we're going to come out on the other side, not just declared by God to be holy and righteous and just. We are going to be transformed by God through our relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit in us is going to be producing in us something. It's going to be obedience. So we must, on a daily basis, ask with David, God, preserve my life, but not for myself. I want to keep your word. What does Jesus say is, is all of the commandments are wrapped up in two great ones. He says, first is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second is love your neighbor. And so the only way we're ever going to do that is by God at work, graciously, bountifully. Because we need an abundance of grace in order to do that because we are so sinful. So you and I in these days can ask God to deal bountifully with us, to give us breath so we can live for him, but then give us obedience so that we may have hope for what is yet to come. There are so many people that are dying even today with no hope or with false hope. They're hoping in what they have done, what they have accomplished, when Scripture tells us that it's not where to place our hope. And so now you and I are to be people of all people who have a hope that is sure, and it's only when it's found in what God has done in us, in giving us life and obedience to obey His Word, which says, first, repent and believe the Gospel, and second, uh, keep my commandments. And so we want to be those people. So we're asking God for his grace to help us because we can't do that naturally. Second thing David asked for that you and I should ask for is verse 18. He says, open my eyes. Open my eyes. Without that, without you opening my eyes and peeling back my eyelids and taking away my blindness, without you doing something, I can't see. Open my eyes so that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. The first thing is we need to see Christ. We're told in Corinthians that by Paul that Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that to keep them from seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so what, what unbelievers need is blindness removed. They need their eyes open so they might see the glory of God. All his beauty and his majesty and his justice and his love, all of his glory. They need to see, and they'll see it in the face of Jesus Christ, but not if they're blind. Not if they're blind. And so we ask God, first and foremost, for ourselves. We're so thankful that he's opened our eyes if we've seen Jesus. But we ask that for our neighbors too. Open their eyes so that they may behold wondrous things. Out of your law, well, his word tells us about Jesus. And so that's a wondrous thing that initiates our relationship restored to God. And so we need to pray that for ourselves. Remember that, that it is a way that we can thank God, but also pray it for others. But on an ongoing basis, as you and I now have a little more time to be reading our Bibles, and we can read page after page, and you can get through in just a few words. It can, you can get through, and you might have gained a little knowledge or information, but what we want here is for God to open our eyes so that we can behold, so that we can take hold of, we can grasp, we can be transformed by wondrous things out of his law. We cannot see that with our natural eyes. We need God to open our spiritual eyes to be able to see and behold and be left in wonder, be left in awe. Not just because uh, we are so bent on seeing things here before us. We need to see spiritual things. We need to see beyond. We need to see not only what he has done, but who he is and what he will do. 
We need to see that, but it's only by God doing it. You and I have many things our eyes can be seeing today and distracted by today, but it's only by God's grace that our eyes might be open that we can behold what is here. The next thing we notice is something that is a good reminder for you and for me in verse 19. David says, I am a sojourner on the earth. I'm just visiting. I'm just here for a brief moment. I'm a foreigner here. I do not want to make my home here. I don't want to feel so comfortable here that I'm not looking for what's to come, where I'm supposed to be, where I belong to, where my citizenship is. I am a foreigner here. I am like the people of Israel going through the wilderness. This is not the promised land. This is not what, where God's going to be with me in, in all the ways that he's promised and in all the promises he's given to us. This is not it. And I want to be dissatisfied with that. I want to know that. I want to know with David, and you should know with David, that we are visitors in this place. And so is everyone else. That not only do we have a, a home and a citizenship which we are longing for and should long for all the more as the days grow dark, but we remember that our, our neighbors and our loved ones are also just visitors. That life is but a breath, that it is a mist that appears for a while and it's gone. This life is so brief, and we're just visiting, that this is not what we're to live for. And so then we must be people who are shaped and, and, and um, geared in that mindset, thinking, this is not all there is. This is only brief. Let me not just spend my time and my energy and my effort and my concerns about things of this earth, including, firstly, health and comfort. That's not ultimate. What is ultimate is a home with God or a home in heaven. That's what we should be consumed with. So when God's dealing bountifully with us so that we might live, and we might be living thinking also, this is just a brief moment. But there's life to come in God. And so we remember we're sojourners. In verse 20, we want to be sojourners who has our souls, the thing that we'll live on, to be consumed with longing for his rules at all times. Not just in good times, not just in bad times, at all times, we want to be the people who are standing on the solid rock. We want our souls to be consumed or broken by things that matter. Yes, in these days, our hearts might be broken and our souls might be consumed with the devastation around us. Uh, loved ones who will die. Neighbors who are fearful and in panic. Uh, nurses who fear for their life going in for their job. Yes, we can be broken for them and, in a sense, consumed with them and bent towards them so that we might love them properly, but not so consumed that we forget of what we should be ultimately consumed by. That is God's rules, His, His Word, His law, the very thing that is to us unshaking. The thing that is, has been and is and will be the unchanging truth of God that through it all, through different pandemics, through different trials, through different uh, pleasures, this word stands true. This is where we're supposed to be consumed. And of course, again, as we are consumed by the word of God, we're only going to have that happen if our eyes are opened to it by God's grace. And we're only going to have that happen if we are uh, alive by God's grace as well. We want to be people who are consumed with this word so we might keep his word. This is the only way to deal with days that are dark and difficult and shake. They're so shaken and they are so 
um, unsteady on what might come tomorrow. We don't know even for ourselves how, how long we might live and have breath and being. But instead, we are people who are not consumed with that. We are caught up with what God is doing and what God has done and who he is. And so for you and me in these days, just a few simple things. Plead to God for his bountiful grace upon you to live so that you can live and, and tell others about him, so that you can live for his glory and an enjoyment of him in his life and all that he's giving you to, to have people adore him through your life. As you obey his word, that you would plead with God to help you obey him so that he might receive all honor and glory, not just from your life, but through your life as others see you obey him. Plead with God for his grace. Now, humbly ask him to continue your life. Not so that you can live for yourself and live for your own desires, but so that you can live for him and for others. God, ask him humbly that he would bountifully uh, give us life and that he would give us obedience. And then with God's help, ask him to open your eyes so that you may behold wondrous things about who he is, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. You need your eyes open, so ask him, plead with him, beg God, open my eyes. Make verse 18 a daily prayer as you open up your Bible. Write verse 18 on your hand so you can remember, God, I need you to open my eyes because my natural eyes will not see so I need you to help me to see the wondrous things that I'm going to see from Genesis to Revelation. Ask God for his help to open your eyes. And then remember, remember that you are just a visitor here on this earth. You are just a foreigner and that this is not all there is. That you are a citizen. If you belong to Christ, you're in Christ. That you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that that is what we are to long for, to be homesick for. So let's long for that together. Let us not hold on to this earth and this life so tightly that we are consumed by that. But let us be people who remember our brevity, remember how quick and brief this life will be. And then press into this new desire that is given to us in Christ to be consumed with and, and longing for and broken for uh, God's word. And all that God has said and all that God wants to accomplish and mainly salvation of souls. God is giving us life so that he might be patient to lead us to repentance, to lead those who we know to repentance through our preaching of the word. So let us be people then who recognize God's grace in our lives, who recognize God as the only one who transforms us into seeing how beautiful he is in this brief visiting of this life on earth where we be consumed not by the numbers and the people around us, but by God and him and his son. And so that as we're consumed with him, as we are broken about what he is broken about, that is the salvation of souls, that our lives might truly be steadfast and true and we would be unshaken so that those who are in a panic might look to us and say, what is it? And we can point to Christ in his word. Let's be those people for our neighbors and for God's glory. Let's pray to that end. God, you are worth our whole heart. You are worth everything to us. We don't want to be people who so tightly grasp onto this world or things of this world, but we want to have open hands and say, it's all yours. So we ask that you would deal graciously with us in our life that you give us, to be people of thanksgiving, but people who use that life for you in obedience to your word, producing us in obedience, producing us that hope that we are found in Jesus. Uh, not by what we've done, but as a fruit of that salvation that you are transforming us 
from one degree of glory to another. God, help us to long for that as we consider how short of our time is on earth. We might be consumed and broken for all that you have said in your word um, for this world and for the life to come. God, we want to live for you, and we want that to not just be uh, something of the past when we first knew you, but something uh, of our entire life. God, help us then to submit ourselves to you, to rid ourselves of our own sinful desires, and to trust you with everything we have, to trust you so that you might receive all the glory and we might receive all the good. We pray this in Jesus' name.